excited about Movement Weekend. Movement Weekend is going to be amazing. Y'all may say, what in the world did I just watch? Well, it is Movement Weekend, and this is our youth conference where our students from ages, from grade 6 through 12th grade come together, and God is just in the place. It's incredible. We see some amazing things. You know, we did this for the first time two years ago, and over 520 students packed out the auditorium. And I'm telling y'all, the fire, the passion, the excitement that was in the room was maybe greater than any I've ever experienced. And here's the best thing about Movement Weekend is this, is that I got the opportunity to talk to some students following that year. And, and they said it was that moment that their life changed. It, it was that moment that they found their true identity. It was that moment that they found their value. And so parents, students, at every campus, at every location and online, please hear me, you need to be at Movement Weekend. This literally could change everything. Let me pose it this way, parents. What if by them going to Movement Weekend, they didn't need the approval of others, they knew they had the approval of God? What if they went to Movement Weekend and they came back with a better attitude? Come on, somebody, is anybody thankful for that? But more importantly, what if they went to Movement Weekend and generational curses were broken at that weekend. I believe this, I believe that it's worth the investment, I believe it's worth the time, and I believe that it will make a lasting impact. So listen to me, mark your calendars, make certain that you are there. If you got vacation, I need you to move it up or move it back. They need to be there and outside in the foyers at every location and online, you can go to movementweekend.com. Our teams, our student teams are out there ready to serve you and it's going to be such a powerful time. Well, if I've not had the pleasure of meeting you just yet, my name is TJ, and I get the privilege of serving as our Spotsylvania campus pastor. Shout out to my Spotsy fam. Love you guys. And uh, I'm honored to share the word with you guys today. But before I do, I just want to echo the sentiments that you've already heard online and here in the room. I want to say a big happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Come on, can we honor all of the dads out there? We honor you. I'll just simply say this, dads, only a father can do what a father can do. Only a father can do what a father can do. And I want to tell the dads in the room, hey, you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you're doing. And if you've got them raised up in this house, not only you're not leaving them money, you're not leaving them treasures, but you're leaving them a legacy which is what we just talked about. And so I wanna take a moment to honor a couple of fathers. I wanna honor the spiritual father of this household, Pastor Daniel Floyd. Come on, can we honor our senior pastor? Pastor, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Y'all, we are spoiled. Listen, y'all need to know that. Like, we are spoiled, rotten, and pastor, we're so grateful for you, everything that you pour into us. And I'm so glad that right now, you're on the, you're on the beach, you're relaxing. Come on, somebody. You getting a tan, he gonna come back looking like me. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Um, we love you, Pastor. Happy Father's Day to you today. And I also want to take a moment to honor my dad. He's not in the room, but he's watching online back home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And dad, I want to tell you thank you so much for you being my dad and being my father. You were the first person that spoke this, what I'm doing right now, into my life. He was. What y'all don't know about my dad is he used to travel and preach. And when I was five or six or seven years old, somebody, he was... He would take me with him, and in the middle of his message, he would call me up, and he'd put the microphone in my hand, and he'd say, all right, son, tell him what God's placed on your heart. And sometimes I'd act five, and I'd be like, ah. 
But then other times I'd say something and God would move. And you know what he was doing? He was preparing me for what I'm doing today. So dad, I honor you. Come on, can we honor my dad? Dad, I love you. You and mom, y'all are amazing. Now, it would be remiss. I never get to do this. I never get to show you a picture of my family. But since it's Father's Day, I can brag on myself for a little bit. Let me see my girls real quick. Y'all show this picture. I got a beautiful picture of my family. There's my, oh, come on, somebody. Look at them girls. The one all the way on the left, that is Giovanna Grace. She is just as sassy as you see right there. And the little one, our baby, uh, she's almost two. She'll be two in August. Her name is Jovi Ray. Her name literally means joy. But y'all pray for us because she don't know that yet. And she needs Jesus. Um, that's my wife, y'all. That's my baby mama. That's the one that made me a daddy. Come on, somebody. And then... That's me in the same suit I got on right now. All right, let's get to the word. <laughs> Found in Genesis chapter 37, verses 2. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph, Joseph would be our main character today, was 17 years old, he often tended to his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bela and Zilpah. But Joseph... Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Somebody say snitches get stitches. That's what, that's what happened to my man Joseph there. Um, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. If you've been around church at all, this is the coat of many colors. This is this story here. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't even say a kind word to him. And my last scripture right now says this, one night, Joseph had a dream. Everybody say, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. I wanna bring a message to you today entitled, In the Middle, In the Middle. Can we pray together? Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Speak through me. Let me just be your mouthpiece, God. I pray I don't be a distraction, God, but I pray that I be an arrow pointing to you. And God, I pray that I don't say anything, God, that you don't want me to say, and I say everything that you want me to say that will move in the lives of your people. God, we love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, how many people like to travel out there? Do I anybody that likes to travel? Come on, yeah, hands going up. I love to travel. I love to go to new places, see different things, and, and or I like to travel and go back home. And, but when I travel, I travel uh, a certain way. You know, I am not big on driving. Like, I'm not a big driver. You know, there's some people around here, some of our staff members, like, they'll be taking like a 12-hour drive to here and a 10-hour drive to Alabama overnight through the night. And I'm like, y'all smoking. I don't do that. Like, your boy only did five hours. Five hours is your boy's max. If it's anything more than that, here's what's happening. Your boy will be flying. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't drive. I like to fly. And so when I fly, I call uh, up my, when I have to go somewhere on a trip, I call up my travel agent and I'm like, actually, let me stop lying to y'all. My travel agent is my wife. She, she's the one. She does it all. I call up. I was like, hey, babe, I need to go somewhere. We need to go somewhere, whatever. She books the flight. And then I ask her a very, very important question. Like, it's a very serious question. I said, hey, babe, you got me the good seat, right? You get, now, for clarity, I'm not saying first class. We don't roll like that. Like, sometimes we're just thankful to be on. I'm back by the toilet, but I don't care. I'm going to where I need to go. 
But when I ask her this very, very important spirit-filled question, did you get me the good seat? What I'm asking her is, did you get me the aisle seat? Come on, somebody. Y'all know on them airplanes, it's already tight. It's already cramped. So at least in the middle, in the, in the aisle seat, I get the opportunity. I can put my leg out. Come on, somebody. I'm a little comfortable. I can see the stewardess coming with that one peanut and that one drop of water that they give you now on planes. What's up with that? That's all they give you. But at least I'm comfortable. So this is my first choice. But maybe if she's not able to get the aisle seat, then worst case, worst case scenario, she got your boy the window seat. You know, because at least in the window seat, I can turn my back. Because, y'all, I know I'm in ministry, but I ain't trying to talk on the plane. I ain't trying to talk on no, the I'm trying to go to sleep. And my back's turned, and I'm looking out the window, and I can see us floating above the clouds. Come on, that's the message right there. I can see we're taking off. I can see us getting into the city. I love to see outside of the window. So I'm like, you know, it's either the aisle seat, it's the window seat, because I know that if she truly loves God, and she truly loves me, and if she wants to make it to heaven one day, she did not book your boy the middle seat. Come on, somebody. Don't nobody like the middle seat. Like, the middle seat is the exact opposite of everything I just told you. It is not comfortable. You can't see out the window. If you start looking this way, this person thinks you're looking at them. Now it's really awkward. And you're sitting here, and you just can't get comfortable. You can't get to the bottom of your, you can't get to your backpack. And y'all know why the middle seat's terrible, because this unfortunately has happened to me before. I have sat in the middle before I met Jesus. Um, I sat in the middle, and, and, and I sit there, and I'm like, all right, Lord. You know what I start doing? Immediately, I start praying and fasting. I'm like, Lord, please don't let these people show up. In Jesus' name, please. <laughs> Lord, I pray. I speak blown tires. I speak, I speak all the, y'all, it's bad. I, I'm not lying. But I'm praying all those things, and then all of a sudden, somebody shows up, and they're like, oh, I'm on the window seat. I'm like, God bless you. And I, I let them to their seat, and, and then so my prayers increase. My faith increase. I'm like, Lord, and Jesus, if you love me, this person is not going to show up. I'm going to slide over. I'm going to have my room. We won't be in the armrest battle. It's going to be great. So I'm sitting there, and then the captain comes over. He's like, oh, we'll be pushing back in two minutes. We're going to be pushing back in two minutes. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. My prayers are about to be answered. And then you see somebody come on the plane. What are you doing, sir? And he comes and he's looking and he looks and y'all make eye contact and he looks at you and you're like this and he's like, and I'm like, no, and he's like, and I'm like, no. And then this person inevitably, they got the most energy in the world. It could be a 6 a.m. flight and they want to know about your cousins. They want to know about your family. They want to talk. They got a mask on and they breath still stink. It smells like hot garbage. Listen, how does your breath stink even when you got a mask on? That's a whole nother. But anyway, it's terrible. Nobody likes to be in the middle. It's uncomfortable. You can't see. You don't have your comfort. You don't have those things. And I know all that's funny today, but I think we can relate this principle to our lives. None of us like to be in the middle seat of life. Because we would all love to be in the aisle seat of life. We love to have a little extra comfort. We love to know that things are going to work out. We love to know all of those things. The worst case scenario, we would at least like to see 
We would like to see what's happening. If I don't have the comfort, at least I can see that this job is going to work out. At least I can see that my health is going to return. At least I can see that my marriage is about to turn around. At least I can see those things. And I just came to tell you today that although those are not bad things, sometimes the best seat is actually in the middle. And here's what the middle is. Y'all ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're, taking, if you're not taking notes, write it down. The middle is this. The middle is the process. Simply that, the middle is the process. The process of what? The process of which you must go through in order to receive everything that God has for you. We all like to have the dream like Joseph. Like we love to see that, we love to have the vision, and we all would love to see the realization of the dream, and and we want all those things, and we want those things to happen, but sometimes the best place to be is in the middle. And so, since it's so uncomfortable, we try to avoid the middle at all costs. Like, listen, y'all, I, I have, when I've had to book my own flight before, I pick the cheapest seat, and it's usually the middle seat, and then they're like, you know what, but for a slight upcharge of $115, you can have the aisle seat. I'm like, $115, y'all tripping. But go ahead, give me that aisle seat, because I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting in the middle. So we try to avoid the middle at all costs. Y'all know I'm not the only one. Here's here's a a study that I saw of frequent travelers and flyers. 50% of people said that they would rather take an aisle seat on the next flight over sitting on the middle seat on their current flight. So they're willing to delay where they should be in order to sacrifice some comfort. All right, I'm already preaching. I ain't even got to the scripture. 20% of people said they would stay somewhere overnight to avoid the middle seat. And 10% of people, which is me, said they would outright avoid and refuse the middle seat at all costs. And I know that sounds funny, but the middle is the process and we all do the same thing. We want to avoid the middle. How do I know that? Well, because at the beginning of every single year, we all say, this is the year I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to get fit. But we don't do the process in order for that to happen. We all say, this is going to be the greatest year of my life. It's going to be the best year, but we don't do the things that it takes for to be the best year of your life. For some of us, we say this, we want, we want to have a great marriage, but we don't want to do the work it takes to have a good marriage. Or I'll say this, we want to have the financial freedom, but we don't want to have the financial discipline. Or I'll say it this way, we want the blessing, but we don't want the budget. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Uh, um, we, we want to live the fully alive life that Pastor Daniel preaches, but we don't want to give. We don't want to serve. We don't want to tithe. We want to join the dream team. We don't, we don't want those things. We, we want the harvest without being planted. We want the photo without the dark room. We want the blessing without the burden. We want success without sacrifice. We want the promotion without pain. What am I saying? We all want the promises of God, but in order to have the promises of God, you must go through the process. And where does the process happen? In the it happens in the middle. And so this is what we're going to talk about today is, is the middle seasons of life. This is, I'm going to give you some signs that you may be in the middle as we walk through the story of Joseph. Because Joseph had a dream, right? Remember we talked about that. And let me tell you what his dream was real quickly. His dream was that he was going to be king and that he was going to do mighty and great exploits for, for God. And, and so here's what he does. After he has the dream, he tells the people around him about his dream. I need to park here for a moment and to let you know, you need to be careful with who you share your dreams with. You need to be careful. Listen, not everyone is for you, boo-boo. 
Like, not everybody wants to see you succeed. Not everybody wants to see your business flourish. Not everybody wants to see your marriage be healed because they're broken, because they're busted and disgusted. Not everybody wants that for you, so you need to be careful who you share your dreams with. And so Joseph, he shares his dream to brothers that already didn't like him. And now this part of the story, here's what happens is, is his father sends Joseph on a journey to go, you know, get that report about his brothers again. Now, super messed up that his dad did that. He already knows his brothers don't like him. And you know what I looked up when I studied this? When he, the city he went to, to the city he needed to go to, the city came from to the city he needed to go through, it was a 50-mile journey. Like, that's, that one from Fred to Spotsy. Like, it was, it was a long journey. And let's see what happens when he goes to check on his brothers. It's found in verse 23. It says, so when Joseph arrived... His brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern, which is a well. So basically, they ambushed him. They they were getting ready to kill him. And look what happens. It says, then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And Judah, one of the brothers, said, hey, 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 guys, let's... You know what? Let's not kill our brother. What will we gain by that? You you know, we'd have to cover it up anyway. You know what? I got an idea. Instead of killing him, let's sell him and make some money. That's a real fair trade. And so now Joseph is now sold into slavery. I think the first thing that you may realize when you're in the middle season of your life is that you may lose stability. You may lose stability. Stability. I need you to understand what happened with Joseph for a moment. I need you to put yourself in the shoes of Joseph. Joseph was going about his business. He was doing what his father told him to do, and ultimately he was doing what God told him to do, minding his own business. And now all of a sudden, in one moment, he lost his stability. Everything that brought him stability, he wasn't able to go home anymore. He wasn't able to be with his family. He wasn't able to lay his head down at his own place. He wasn't able to just do the things that he normally did. And his life got shaky and he lost his stability for a moment. Right in a moment, it was all taken away. Wonder has that happened to anybody here today? Right in a moment, you got that phone call with the bad news. Right in that moment, you... They said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Right in a moment, that loved one passed away. And and all those things are real and valid, but you know, I've learned in my 32 years of life, what brings us actually the most stability is comfort. Like, like we like to be comfortable. We we like to know that everything's going to be okay. We like to know that everything's going to be good. We like to know that all those things, remember the aisle seat of life? We like to live in an area of comfort, but I want you to know this. God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He wants us to be powerful. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't want us to be comfortable. He wants us to be powerful. And so sometimes he uses moments in your life to remove the level of comfortability so that you can rely on him. Because sometimes when you're in your comfort, then you don't need people, then you don't need others, and then you don't need God. But God removes that level of comfortability so that he can take you to the process because the process will make you powerful through the middle. And so you may lose stability. Some of you today, you may know exactly what I mean. You may feel like you're on shaky ground. In one moment, everything fell apart. Everything uh, uh, just, just blew up in your face. And here's what you need to do. If you felt like you've lost stability today, you need to do this one thing. You need to stay planted. 
You need to stay planted. What do I mean by that? I, I mean like a tree. Come on, have y'all ever seen a tree in hurricane season? Like, like a tree is planted and then that hurricane starts coming and that tree bends, that tree swings, the branches start going, leaves may be falling off, some things may shed off, some things may be broken, but you know what? When that storm is over, it pops right back up and it stays planted right where God had them because it knows that right there in the place that it's planted, right there is where to get its nourishment. It'll get its fruit. It'll get its development. You need to stay planted. Everybody say, stay planted. Here's what Jeremiah 17, 7 says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made their Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees, what? Planted. Planted along a riverbank whose roots that grow deep in the water such as are not burdened by the heat or worried by months of drought. Their leaves are green and they never stop producing fruit. Do you know this? It doesn't matter what season of life, you can still produce fruit. If you're in the aisle seat of life and comfort, you can produce fruit. If you're in the window seat of life, you can produce uh, fruit. And if you're in the middle season of your life, you can produce fruit. The only way you do that is if you stay planted. Gotta stay planted. I think the second thing that happens in the middle season of your life is that you realize that there's highs and lows. You realize that in that middle season, there's highs and lows. Joseph's story goes on to say that, that now he is, he's going, he's in slavery, he gets to under this rule of this Egyptian officer named Potiphar. And Potiphar sits back and he starts to notice, man, since this guy's been here, like everything is nice. Like we're flourishing, things are happening I've never seen before, it must be because of that guy. And so he does this. He elevates Joseph to second in command, just under him. And so I have a feeling that Joseph was like, man, you know, this is not my home. This is not my stability. This is not what I thought. But you know what? I think he had a prophetic worship song playing in his heart that says, started from the bottom, now I'm here. Hey, started from the bottom, now the Because literally, he was in the bottom. He was in a well. And then some of y'all will get that tomorrow. Y'all will get that tomorrow. He had that moment, so he's on a high. He's on a high. But then there was Potiphar's wife. Mm-mm-mm. And the Bible says that, that Joseph was young, well-built, handsome, good-looking. Sounds like your boy. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry, everybody. Joseph was like that, and, and, and Potiphar's wife had eyes for Joseph. She said, Jojo, <laughs> Jojo, <laughs> Jojo, 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 like it was, it's ridiculous. She came after him and let's see what happens in, in chapter 39. She said, she said this in verse, uh, I believe it's verse 12. She says that she came and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Sounds like my house. Um, not going to end well for me on Father's Day. Um, she said, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but left 
his cloak in her hand and he ran from the house. So here's what happened is now she's stuck with his jacket. She's stuck with his cloak and now she lies to Potiphar and she says that Joseph came on to her. And so Potiphar did what any good husband would do. He was furious. He was angry. And then here's what he did. He threw Joseph into prison alone. He literally went from high to low in the matter of moments. Have you ever felt like things were going good and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose? Have you ever felt like, man, we've taken two steps forward, now all of a sudden we're taking 10 steps back? Have you ever felt like, man, our marriage is finally going in the right direction, we're dating again, we're smiling again just for two weeks later for y'all to have the worst blow up you've ever had? Have you ever felt like, man, our business is finally flourishing and developing and things are happening now, all of a sudden you're close to bankruptcy? Have you ever been in a moment like that? If that is you, I just want to tell you one thing today. Here's what you got to do. You got to stand firm in your faith. You got to stand firm in your faith. You got to stand firm in what this Bible says, y'all, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You got to stand firm that his promises are yes and amen. You got to stand firm that those that trust in the Lord will renew their strength. You got to stand firm that God is with you. He's for you. You've got to stand firm in your faith in a high season and in a low season. It's easy to praise God on the mountaintop. But sometimes when you're in the valley, you got to say, God, I believe in you. I trust you. I trust you. You got to stand firm in your faith. And here's why you got to stand firm in your faith. It's because in the middle season of your life, your faith will be tested. Like, hear me, your faith will be tested. I'll even say it like this. When you're in the middle season, your faith may be tested to the brink, to the place that you want to give up to the place that you're like, I can't handle it no more. You, you can't tell me that at some point, Joseph being in the middle season of his life was not wanting to give up and was not frustrated. and was like, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. God, I'm just trying to be obedient. God, I'm trying to do these things. God, I'm, I'm doing everything that you've called me to do. I wonder, has anybody else ever said that? God, I'm coming to church. God, I'm serving. God, I'm tithing. God, why is this happening to me? And you want to quit and you want to give up. But I need everybody to hear me say this today. You can't give up. You can't quit because you want to know why? It's impossible for you to make it to the end if you quit in the middle. It's impossible for you to make it to the end if you quit in the middle. I've never read a book that was just beginning and end. I've never watched a movie that was just the beginning and end. I've never heard of a story that was just beginning and end. It's beginning middle and end. You cannot make it to the end if you quit in the middle. But here's why your faith has to be tested. It's because you need to know this, that every good product is tested. Every good product is tested. That seat that you're sitting in, it was tested. This mic that I'm wearing right now, it was tested. The cameras that you're watching me on at home, they, they were tested. The clothes that you're wearing on your back, thank God they were tested. Because if we were saying, oh no, breakthrough is coming, clothes start coming off, then this would be a whole different story. <laughs> thank God they were tested. I need you to know this, that every good product is tested. If you've not heard me say anything today, please hear me say this. You are God's good product. You gotta hear me say that. You are God's good product. 
I know your parents said that you weren't planned. I know they said that you may have been an accident. I know that people maybe have not been for you, but I need you to know that God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a destiny for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship. We've been created by the creator, so we are God's good product. But in order to be God's good product, got to be tested. And in the testing, I believe this is what happened, happening, is God is watching. Now, not like the old lady eighth grade teacher that wore her glasses down like this when you're taking a final, and she just got a stank face, and she's just like, y'all know it. Y'all laughing because y'all know it. God's not waiting for you like that while you're tested. No, I believe it's like that. You, you're in the middle season of your life, and I believe God's like this. Oh, she, oh my goodness. She, she lost her job, but she's, she's still pressing into me. Come on, Jesus, come here, come here, come look at this. Do you see his, his wife walked out on him, but he's still serving? Come, come, he's, come, come here, yo, angels, come, come look, look, they... They've got the diagnosis of cancer, but they're still lifting their hands. They're still worshiping. They're still praising. They're still giving me the glory. And that's what happens is that he's watching your faith in the middle of the testing season. He's watching you. And here's why God does that. It's because if he can test your faith, then he can trust your faith. If he can test you, and I'm not saying that what happened to you, that God sent it to you, that God told you that, that God made this happen. No, no, no. But my Bible says in Romans 8, 28, for we know that God works all things together for the good of those that love him. So, so he's taking that and he's testing that. And he's watching you. And if you can make it through that middle season, now he can say, I can trust you with that dream. Now I can trust you with that business plan. Now I can trust you with being a father. Now I can trust you with being those things and you know that's what happened in Joseph's life is he realized the dream took 13 years the middle season of his life but the dream happened he became king he started to do great things for God and if God did it for him I need you to hear me say he wants to do it for you he wants to do it for you at every location and online. He wants to do it for you. So you may lose stability, might lose your comfort, may realize that there's some highs and lows in your life. Your faith will be tested. But here's where I wanna land the plane today because when I studied this passage, I saw this for the first time that I'd never seen before. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and, and hopefully you get what I'm trying to say here. It says this, it says in Genesis chapter 39, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. Verse three says this, Potiphar noticed this and realized what? That the Lord was with Joseph. I hope y'all are starting to get it. I'm gonna give you one more scripture to get it. Verse 21, it says this, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was with him when he was sold into slavery. He was with him 
when he was thrown into prison. The Lord was with him in every step of the way. The prison, what does that represent? The darkest place you could ever be. The lowest place that you could ever be. But God was sitting right there with him in the middle. And if the Lord is with him, I want you to know this today. The Lord is with you. The Lord is, I don't think y'all get it. The one that hung the moon. The one that hung the stars. The one that spoke the earth into motion is with you. I still don't think y'all get it. The one that dug down into the earth and he breathed life into you. He's with you. Amar, come and help me. I need y'all to see this. He's the Lord. It doesn't matter what situation I'm in. The Lord is with me when I don't know where to go. When I don't know where to turn. The Lord is with me. If I trip and I stumble and I fall, the Lord is with me. And wherever I go, the Lord is with me. When I want to quit and I want to give up, the Lord picks me back up, places me on my feet, puts me on solid ground. I need somebody to know today that the Lord is with you in your season, in your mess, in your test. Somebody shout in this place and you believe it. I need you to know that the Lord is with you. I feel Jesus so strongly in this place right now. How do I know this so much? This has been my life, y'all. I've been in the middle and I've been in a process. But here's what I learned in those seasons and those moments that I didn't know where to turn and I didn't know where to go. Once God helped me through that season, I got to look back and to realize and see what God was actually doing. Because here's what you got to know. The middle is not just the middle. It's the process. But watch this. It's not just the process. The process was actually preparation. The, the process was preparation. God was preparing me to come to sit to you today in the middle of this series, in the middle of this month, in the middle of the year to bring you a message to let you know that it doesn't matter what you're going through today, the Lord is with you. And you know what my proper response is? My proper response is worship. It's to say, God, I love you. There's never been a minute that you've forsaken me. There's never been a moment that you've been without me. There's never been a moment that you turned your back on me. There's never been a moment. Come on, let's worship in this place. Not for a minute. We worship you in this place, Jesus. Come on, stand with me in every location. If you believe it in this place, come on.
Sometimes the Lord is in the loud, but sometimes he comes in the whisper. Right now he's speaking to so many people. God, speak in this place. Speak in this place. Now, God, we, we pray for those that are in the middle season, and I pray, God, that you would encourage their faith right now. They won't quit, but they will leave here today knowing that you with them. Jesus' name. I want to pray for those that maybe you heard me say that the Lord is with you, and maybe you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about that story, but maybe you have not yet made him Lord. And I want you to know you can do that today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, if you would confess with your mouth, and then all you have to do is believe it with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will make him your Savior. You will make him your Lord. And we're going to pray here together as a body of believers. And there's nothing magical in the prayer, but there is something powerful in your confession. And so if that's you on the count of three at every location and even online, if you want to make Jesus your Lord, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands. I want to see who we're praying for. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to come to you. We're just going to welcome you into the family. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, hands going up in the auditorium. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Church, can we pray this out loud for the benefit of those who has never prayed this before? Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Today, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you lived. I believe that you died. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. 
And from this moment, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said a big amen. Come on, can we celebrate those that made that decision? Oh, come on, we can do better than that. All of heaven is rejoicing. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.